Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Killar jag så bra som mig Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Brian, so no more dilly-dallying as you're like giving me the motion to like pick up the pace here. Uh, that's how like a lot of people on podcasts just talk. Like, that's just the normal speed that people, you know, talk on podcasts. That's why people have to listen to like 1.3, 1.4, 1.5. I hope that we could be the podcast where people uh, don't increase the speed for. That's my goal here. There's an ad that runs regularly on our show that's like dynamically inserted that is definitely made to sound like a podcast. It drives me crazy. Like, I just feel so played or manipulated by it. <laughs> what is it? I, like, can you remind, can you tell me? Oh, I don't want to name the... You don't want to name the thing, but I'm very curious. Okay, tell me off, tell me off the air. Okay. But then that, that really is a tease now for the listeners. It's, it's kind of, no, well, it starts with like, you know, like this friendly, like female voice going, you know, do you ever think about how... Oh, like, I know which one you're talking about. Do you think <laughs> yeah. that your place could be a yeah. blank B&B? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely built to be like a ripoff of like a, like a classic serial episode. Yeah. Well, whatever. I mean, all of us... Let's be real here. We all have headphones that can easily fast forward. Ads. We don't so, all. Well... Most of us do. I, I, of course, listen to any ad that's being presented to me from a Blue Wire podcast. (laughs) Uh, But uh, for other networks, I generally skip the ads pretty easily. But okay, Brian, we got a lot of fantasy hockey stuff to get to. We're still on injuries here. Let's go to Pittsburgh, okay? Tristan Jari's hurt. You talked about it with Jeremy. Still not traveling with the team. So we don't have, like, that much more information. In the meantime, like, Casey DeSmith has been really bad lately. He had no wins and, and no quality starts in his previous four games going into today but pittsburgh is playing today against arizona and for what it's worth they're like almost on the second period and it looks like DeSmith has stopped 16 of 17 so he, he's, he's holding his own against the coyotes it's two to one now for pittsburgh i don't know like i kind of want to just pass on casey DeSmith. I, i've kind of like changed the way i play fantasy a little bit with these injuries to a goalie where it's not even like we don't even know the extent of it and it's not like the backup is like so amazing i kind of almost wonder if like tokarski or whoever gets some games maybe DeSmith doesn't even like because it's I, not like DeSmith is like a volume guy that now all of a sudden pittsburgh's like oh we're gonna have to ride DeSmith. like that, there's a reason why he's not a starting goalie. so i don't know i kind of just want to pass him but maybe you're gonna tell me that that's dumb this seems like really contrary to your feelings about logan thompson earlier in the show well no logan thompson is a star well okay i just think logan thompson is currently the starter okay but when vegas. he but when he wasn't i think you were ready to ride and see what happens right oh yeah, he's but, starting but for I, vegas that's a good space to be but I guess I, I had some confidence that Logan Thompson could be and a starter. if I recall, you also felt the same about Spencer Martin when he was going to step in for Thatcher Demko. Yes, but Spencer Martin, I thought, had the potential. Like, he'd been good before, and I, I, he was an unknown. Like, these, like Logan Thompson and Spencer Martin, these are rookies. They're unknown entities. Who knows what do you they know, can be? They do you can know be Casey, Huso from last year. Do you know what Casey DeSmith's career average save percentage is? I mean, I'm. You're gonna. What is it? Nine fifty. I don't. Know, I'm excited to see not, what number you're gonna drop on me here. No, it's nine fourteen and fifty five okay, yeah. percent quality start percentage. All right. So you're saying that everyone should go and rush to grab. I'm not Casey saying Smith. go rush Casey to Smith because, uh, well, as Jeremy's mentioned, and I echoed, and I'm now echoing again from the original short shifts that he did with Lewis on last Tuesday. Uh, Pittsburgh has a back to back this upcoming week, so the Smith might only get you two games. So you've got to decide if that's worth it or not. And we also don't know. Tristan Jari's status like if you're in a league where goalies are golden and you it's always a race or a desperation play to find the next goalie I I would go get him I wouldn't wait but if you have some some room to wait or or decide yeah I kind of want to hear like and moves are valuable I want to hear what Jari's status is first the fact that they haven't announced i don't know whether that bodes well or not like to me I'm actually feeling like it's not gonna end up being a big deal this is a gut 
feel though and that's one of the reasons why i haven't personally run to DeSmith. and yeah he has been inconsistent as you'd expect from somebody who has limited nhl experience 110 nhl games played over the course of a five-year career uh, DeSmith is 31 years old now he has looked good at times and i think there have been times in the past elon where he was your spencer martin or logan thompson thing oh let's see how far casey DeSmith can go clearly he's betrayed that faith or trust that you had in him at (laughs) one point though and that's why you are where you are with him i would not be completely disinterested in casey DeSmith. so i'm not i'm not going to take a total pass on him i would be interested especially if jari is is out for any length of time yeah that's definitely fair i've you're probably right but i i didn't grab him in any of my leagues and so i'll see how much i regret it in a couple weeks um in the meantime pittsburgh hasn't been scoring a lot of goals lately right only five goals in their last three games going into today like i said they they do have two right now against vaymelka and the coyotes we'll talk about vaymelka in a little bit he's been struggling a little bit lately which is unfortunate i thought he was really awesome uh but yeah all the studs were like not doing anything crosby gensel malkin like raquel only one or two points in their previous five games rust was like pointless in three going into today for what it's worth we've got two goals from Gensel today both assisted by Crosby and Rust also assisted on one of them so I was going to ask you are we worried about these penguin studs maybe we can now be like take out Gensel and Crosby I guess obviously you're not we're not worried about them not that you would have said you were worried about them either way uh, we should mention that those two have been playing with Rust again and Raquel's been sent back to the second line to play with Malkin and Zucker so at least Malkin, I got to ask about, right? Because he's not getting, he hasn't gotten a point yet today. Maybe he still will. But in the meantime, he's on a bit of a cold streak. And uh, I don't know. How, like, if would you, you be concerned if you had Malkin? Well, you look at Frozen Tools at the Pittsburgh roster and every single guy has a snowflake next to their name, which does not mean they're sensitive. It does not mean they're one of a kind. <laughs> it means that they're cold. That's, it's a helpful little little visual for that uh like no no one in pittsburgh is scoring as a team but coming into this game against arizona they had just 18 goals in their last eight games shooting eight percent they were shooting 10 percent through their first 30 games and averaging three and a half goals per game versus the like two that they've been averaging over the last couple weeks uh also, though, uh, the Pens have been shooting a little less lately, 28 shots per game versus 34 shots per game. Their power play has also been suffering an outage 0 for 15 coming into tonight and their last few outings. Uh, they had they went 0 for 9 in a single game against New Jersey that I did not watch. So I'm not sure what the deal was, like if there were a few like three second power plays involved. I don't know how you go 0 for 9. Um, but of course, they're without Latang and Petrie and that that doesn't hurt. I assume overall. Pittsburgh's going to be okay. I'm wondering, at least, uh, like just a little, if age is beginning to play a factor. Like the Penguins rely on Crosby and Malkin down the middle. They also have like Jeff Carter and Chris Letang, who I know hasn't been in the lineup, but they're kind of an older team. Is that beginning to play a bit of a factor in how successful they are? And Jake Gensel, he still hasn't reestablished a regular shooting output. Like tonight, I'm relieved to see he has two goals already, but he still only has two shots. And Gensel coming into tonight had just 12 shots in his last eight games, six of those eight games, just a single shot on goal, which is so uncharacteristic. So I want to see him really convince me that he's broken out of that pattern before I really let go of my concern with him. Um, yeah. And that's, that's I think, where, where I stand on Pittsburgh. They're, I think they're getting some misfortune but I also am just a little little curious about how much of it is misfortune and how much of it is the team legitimately struggling. So we'll wait and see a little longer. There's not a whole lot you can do. Like, I'm believing that Malkin, Crosby, Gensel are all going to be fine by the time we're talking about them in a few weeks from now. But I'm not 100% confident that everything is going to be hunky-dory. Right. Well, okay. Hopefully for them, we just won't talk about them. And that'll mean that they're fine. But I, I will bring them up if they're still struggling. And then we'll have to maybe have to update that. So good luck to them. But yeah, like you said, with Latang and Petrie out, that leaves them pretty shallow on defense. Like Ty Smith has been playing on the top power play. And he's a guy who didn't even make the team to start the season. Apparently, Jeff Petrie is like back with the team skating. So he could be back soon. And Latang, we don't really know because he's like now non-roster status because he went to be with his family. Uh, but he was like injured before that, which is actually very frustrating for people who have him on Yahoo because his day-to-day status got changed to NA. And if your league doesn't have NA, then all of a sudden now you have to take him out of IR. Uh, but anyway, whatever. <laughs> Minor problems compared to what
what some people go through, uh, including obviously Crystal Tang right now, wishing him the best in his family. But uh, Jeff Petrie, let's talk about quickly because he's going to be back with the team. He's having a, I guess he's not even having that great a year, right? He, he's on a 35 point pace. I saw you traded him in the cupful for Vili Huso, someone who's been really struggling with Detroit. Want to just talk through your thought process with that trade of swapping Petrie for Vili Huso? Yeah, well, we talked about Jeff Petrie a little while back on the show where we pointed out that he just hasn't been that strong in any category. And his point totals have been okay. But some of that is because he was stepping up on the top power play unit, which is not necessarily something we could continue to expect. Uh, Like he's only on a 35 point pace this season, which is actually as bad as last year, which was a huge disappointment. And he hasn't been on a point pace this low since 2016-17. This is his second year as a hab, a second full season as a hab. And the other concerning thing with Jeff Petrie beyond his low, like low point pace could be tolerable if the peripherals were coming, but his shots per game is also the lowest it's been in a long, long time as well. Uh, his blocks and hits, like they're coming in all right. He's actually hitting pretty decently, but that's the least important category in the cupful. So I decided I would send him off for Ville, who, so who, like, Lord knows I don't need another mediocre goalie. I have Jake Allen and Jordan Binnington. It hasn't been a lot of fun to watch those guys struggle to deliver week in, week out. And Villejuso, I, I don't need to add a third guy who's just going to disappoint me more often than not. But I thought just trading on the upside of Villejuso finding his early season form, which we saw, and really he still had it five on five. Just that Red Wings power uh, penalty kill has been so bad. And I think part of it is Huso, and part of it is the actual penalty kill unit. I was looking at what Prashanth Iyer was saying about the unit on um, on his Twitter account. And he was mentioning that they keep losing the opening face-offs on a penalty kill. So they're just basically handing a team possession every single time. And of course, you're going to get burned when you're facing a fresh power play every like like more often than not. If you can't win that first draw and get a clear early on to gain some momentum in your kill. So I'm hoping that the Red Wings solve their penalty kill problems. The three goalie situation in Detroit is definitely a concern for me acquiring Vallejo. But really, Jeff Petrie has been on my IR forever. I don't know how long he was going to stay on my roster either. So I thought this is just a fun kind of lotto ticket swing to take. And if I win and Villajoso becomes like a really impressive and impactful goalie, I'll be so happy. And if he doesn't, then I don't think I'll have lost much of consequence. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, good luck to you. Uh, By the way, a quick update on the Bruins talk from before. They are playing today against Anaheim. The game's about to start as we're uh, like recording this right now. And there's some new lines that came out on gamedaytweets.com, which is your your source for the updated beat writer line combinations. And yeah, so maybe you have to forget everything we said because they're putting Craig Smith today on the top line with Bergeron and Marchand in the DeBrusque spot, putting Pasternak and Krejci and Zaka back together on the second line, then Taylor Hall back on the third line, which means to me, don't drop David Krejci. Let's see how he does today. I like David Krejci when he's playing with Pasternak, personally. Um, and Taylor Hall was doing better on the third line anyway. So I don't know. Anyways, we not to dive back into No, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to talk about Taylor Hall anymore. Okay. Um, so that's Pittsburgh. Let's go to the Islanders. I mean, we don't really have an update. Matt Barzal missed the game on Friday. It was a super late scratch. Super annoying for me, Brian, because as the patrons know, I was trying to figure out someone to drop to bring in Blake Wheeler. And I ended up dropping Jake Wallman. Uh, who I had streamed in as a D, which I needed. And then it turned out I didn't need to drop anyone because I could have just, you know, had Barzal uh, put on the IR. And now Jake Wallman scored a goal on Saturday. So anyway, whatever, frustrations. And also, like, I can't make an ad right now because I have Latang in my IR, but he's NA. But I would have been able to, like, put Wheeler in instead of, Bar- you know, instead of dropping Jake Wallman. Anyway, blah, Barzal. So hopefully he's fine. We don't have an update. Uh, do you have an update? I don't have an update right now. I haven't seen anything. I don't have an update. So who knows? Like, he's been amazing lately. Six goals and two assists in his last, like, f- six games, I think. Or uh, I-, I wrote I wrote in eight games, but that wouldn't even be as amazing. I think he's doing even better than what I have here in my notes. So I'll bring that up. But, like, he's been awesome. The lines look really not interesting with him out. Like, it looks like Josh Bailey or Anthony Bovillier got a crack on the top power play in the 4-1 loss to Calgary. Oh, eight points in his last five games. Yeah, that makes more sense. Six goals and two assists in the last five games for Matt Barzal. Um 
with with him out of the roster, it, it, things definitely are not that exciting. I'm not into Bailey or Beauvillier. And actually, another player on the Islanders that I'm curious to know if you're concerned about, Noah Dobson, out of nowhere, is pointless in five games. He's having a good season. He was pacing for 56 before this recent stretch. He's now down to only a 48-point pace and falling. What's your take here on Dobson? You think he's going to bounce back and now's like a great time to go after him? Or should we be concerned? And let's like just assume that Matt Barzal is fine and he's back soon. Yeah, that's a really key assumption to hope that Barzell is okay, because without Barzell, that Isles offense, I think, really struggles. I know they still have Brock Nelson. Elon, don't worry, I haven't forgotten, but it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt everyone if Matt Barzell is out of the lineup. Noah Dobson's been cold lately. One particular way, which is not a way that we usually say for defensemen, Noah Dobson is on a 10-game goalless drought. I never talk about defensemen goalless droughts, but I am here because Noah Dobson hasn't gone more than three games this season without scoring a goal, not since late October. Uh, And that all amounts to seven goals on 75 shots for Dobson this year at five on five, which means he's shooting 10%. That's too high. So some regression is bound to happen there on a guy who's already like he's looking cold because he's not scoring goals anymore at a rate he wasn't supposed to be scoring them. But also on the whole, Dobson seems to be struggling a little bit to do what he was doing last season. His power play production has taken a step back. He's pacing for four fewer power play points over 82 games than he was in last year's breakout performance. But also on the power play, Dobson has a low points participation rate. So maybe he can make up for some of what he's lost there. All in all, I think this washes out Dobson. And maybe just being like a 50 point player, which is kind of disappointing, right? Like we were hoping he'd build on what he did last year rather than kind of struggle to hold steady. It's nice that the shots are still coming for Dobson, which is one reason why he still remains like a pretty nice, valuable piece to have on your D. But otherwise, yeah, this this doesn't look like a year where Dobson is going to break through and, and hit, hit the next milestone of 60 points. I think 50 points plus or minus five is probably about where I'm landing with him. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just have a gut feeling that Dobson is like really great. I also, I I have that same feeling. Yeah, but I guess you're looking into it and the points participation rate is a little low though. So maybe he ups that. I I don't know. I just feel like this happened last year around this time. I feel like Dobson had been on a good run and then he went on a cold streak and i think we might have said to drop him on the podcast which would have been regrettable because he ended the year like so hot like what what, what was it at the end like he had uh, 17 points in 24 games and uh oh no 15 points in the last 23 games oh like 21 points in 24 games in the third quarter i'm just looking at the quarterly splits last year he exploded in the second half of last year i definitely would uh I don't know. My gut is like you hold on to Dobson or you try to trade for him and get him for cheap right now. There's definitely yeah. like reason to believe what Brian is saying that maybe he'll just be a 50 point guy, but I think he could also just explode like he did last year. Yeah. The one thing I wouldn't do, I wouldn't dump him. I wouldn't be like, I'm giving up on Noah Dobson. No. Okay. Fair enough. Well, yeah, even a 50 point defense is probably valuable in a lot of leagues, but I think he could potentially go, potentially go higher. Um, that's, there's an injury update from today. So Dallas played a game earlier today before we recorded against Florida. They won five to one. They won handily, but maybe they lost because Rope Hints got injured in this game. He only played five minutes. Uh, and so I don't have an update there, unfortunately, either. Maybe maybe someone has seen something. Uh, but in the meantime, I will just mention that Tyler Sagan took Hintz's spot with Pavelski and Robertson on the top line. And Tyler Sagan got onto the top power play to take Hintz's spot there. Uh, so if Tyler, if Tyler Sagan's available in your league, and if it turns out that Hintz is going to be out long-term, I think regardless of the fact that Sagan is pointless in his last four games, I think you you go get him, right? Like, that's a really amazing spot to be in. Obviously, yeah. Tyler Sagan's not chopped liver. He's Tyler Sagan. He, he should, Sagan should already be rostered. So if he's not... I mean, should he? He's only 50-point 50, 50 pace this year. I feel yeah. like maybe in a 14-team league, I feel like in a 12-team or less, he has not given much reason. Only 2.3 shots per game. I feel like it's like... I think it's reasonable for him not to be rostered in a lot of leagues. But now I'd want him if if Hintz is injured. Yeah, I guess he was pretty consistent through most of the year. And then I'm just just looking at his game log. Over the last month, he's really gone quiet. And I have to admit, I didn't fully notice. Yeah, his ice time has been cut. He's been playing like 14 minutes a night. And yeah, barely pointing. Okay. Yeah, so Tyler Sagan might have been dropped in your league and maybe this is a time to give him a a fresh chance on your roster how about that yeah though hopefully just hints is fine that would be a real bummer ideally yeah ideally of course wishing the best 
to Rope Haynes. Let me see if I have it. Okay, do I have any updates here? I'm just going to gamedaytweets.com uh, here in the news. I'm just going to do a control F for hints. Upper body injury for Rope Haynes questionable to return. And then I guess he didn't return. That was the latest. So I'm sure we'll get something soon. Let's look next to Carolina. Pacioretty. So you and Jeremy talked about it, but he'd only played like six minutes at that time. And he had like a few shots and things were looking good. Since then, things have continued to look very good. For Max Pacioretty, he uh, was playing in the last game on a line with Sebastian Ajo and Seth Jarvis, and he potted two goals against the Columbus Blue Jackets on only two shots, but he did have six shots in the previous game, and he is Max Pacioretty, so I assume he's going to generally take more than two shots, uh, but that was a great... So now we're looking at two goals in two games, playing on the top line, playing on the top power play. Like, I don't really know what there is to say about him. He's really good. I guess the question I have is we had a question on Twitter a while back from a, a follower named Brian Clark who asked uh, who he should take between Patches and Ehlers when both were coming out of IR. And I said Ehlers. I, th- I think I still stick with that. I'm really excited about what Ehlers can do coming, like, uh, you know, getting a shot on the top power play. Um, I'm just curious to know, like, what do you think? Like, was I wrong or is it a wash? Pacioretty maybe is more of an injury risk or is he? I guess they've both been injured. What do you think? I think we're probably changing our answer with every game that we see. It's like, Pat- it was first Ehlers and we saw Pacioretty come back. It's like, oh, oh yeah, Pacioretty, I want him. And then we saw Ehlers go off tonight. It's like, oh wait, I think I want Ehlers. Um, going back to, I'm, so because I feel like I'm, going back and forth a whole bunch. I'm just going to go all the way back to before they had both returned. And especially now that they both appear healthy and well, I am going to go with Nick Ehlers still over Max Pacioretty. I think his ceiling's higher. I think Pacioretty, again, still those two red flags of being on a new team. Uh, they both share the red flag of coming back from an injury, but we also know Carolina likes to shake up their lines a lot and roll three when they can. So for those reasons, I am still going to stick with Nick Ehlers, my original answer. Okay, me too. My original answer as well. You can go back on Twitter and see. Um, Seth Jarvis, by the way, that's a great spot for him, right? To be playing with Ajo and Pacioretty. Uh, he had an assist versus Columbus in the last game, which broke a three-game pointless streak. I think now's a good time to buy low on Seth Jarvis if you can. He's been getting four-plus shots in each of his last four games and now in a really good spot. So, uh, yeah, if people are getting frustrated because he went on a little bit of a cold streak, I think this is a really good chance to get him. And Brian... I got to mention him again. How good is Bray Duche? <laughs> we had a really funny question on our, our YouTube video we dropped recently where I guess someone asked, who is this Bray Duche guy you keep talking about? And it was spelled B-R-E-Y, Bray, like Bray Wyatt from wrestling. And then Duche. Uh, obviously, uh, yeah. Spe- it's, spelled it, the way it sounds. D-U-S-C-H-E-Y. It, it's almost like a cupful situation where I always say K-K-U-P-F-L. Maybe we need to start saying Brady Shea, S-K-J-E-I. Right, yeah, which doesn't sound at all like how it's spelled. Uh, but yeah, we're talking about Brady space Shea, spelled Skajay, I guess. Um, anyways, we keep bringing up on the show, and like I, I'm just fascinated by him because he keeps producing. Like He doesn't even need the power play time. He has goals in two straight games now. I, I feel like at one point, Brian, the last time, the only reason I'm bringing him up again, because I know we do, I do it a lot, but I feel like every time I do, you generally say, ah, I'm not that interested. Like He goes hot, he goes cold. If he was available to you right now, it's like, actually a good time to ask. You just added Kalen Addison. If you had also Brady Shea available, would you have taken him over Kalen Addison, or would you have still gone Addison? I would, uh, no, I'm happy to take the chance on Addison. I guess, I guess like Wrong. Shea, Shea, is, Shea is the higher floor guy, obviously. Uh, and you'd be crazy to not add Brady space S-K-J-E-I Shea if you have the opportunity to do that right now. Like he's hot. You go for it. This is, this reminds me of like, um, it's now evolved into a Matthias Ekholm kind of moment. Remember there were a few seasons in a row where Ekholm just like went wild for like a, a, a good stretch of time. And it wasn't really supposed to happen. And his ice time or minutes or opportunity didn't really change. But he was doing things with it. And it was like, yeah, you just have to go get Matthias Ekholm. I feel like that's where we're at with Brady Shea. For what it's worth, before putting up goals in consecutive games, Shea had uh, been pointless in five of six. And uh, now has two goals on eight shots in his last two games. So it's like, oh, yeah, that is still really good. So I'd get Shea. And, you know, I'd rather sell him high though if i already have him uh, rather than you know holding on i'd see if and i have find anybody who's going to believe in him season long i'm not counting on this to last but still you know that's where i've been from the start but of course the longer this goes the more you just have to ask fewer questions and get on board and ride it until it stops 
Yeah, well, the nice thing about these like pointless streaks that he goes on is he still has like five shot games in there. Like, I love a defenseman who shoots a lot. Sorry, it's just like my my big weakness in fantasy. I guess I'm always going to grab that guy even if he's pointless. Um, let's do another outjury now. Uh, Evan Rodriguez is back with Colorado, and you may be thinking, is that even fantasy relevant? Come on, but hey, he was on the top line in the win over Edmonton with McKinnon and Lekkinen. So they split up McKinnon and Ranson, which I guess Colorado likes to do every once in a while. And Rodriguez had a big game: two assists, five shots. Top line, like I said, are we rushed? Should we be telling people to rush to add Evan Rodriguez? Like he's a guy who's gone on big hot streaks. Like, you know, last year he did it with Pittsburgh. Now who knows if this is the start of something? I don't know. I'm kind of into him. Uh, so I, I think you should maybe go get him for as long as he's playing with Nathan McKinnon. Right? Yeah, you should. And I'm only seeing positive reviews from those who watch Colorado closely as well on Evan Rodriguez. We like him. We have liked him in a top line role for a couple seasons now. So we like him here too. go out and see if Evan Rodriguez is available. Yeah. Uh, then so that's made the second line by the way Rantanen with JT Comfort and Alex Newhook so maybe you're interested in Comfort Newhook I don't know uh, like I think Rantanen will be fine though I'm not even going to ask you if we're worried about Rantanen and they might, the lines might shift up again uh, Devon Taves is someone though we've talked about a few times on the season I feel like every time I bring him up you bring down your expectations from him a little but they still are like pretty high so I want to get an update now because he's pointless in three only three points in his last 11 I feel like last time we talked about him you were like okay maybe he's not a 70 point guy maybe he's closer to like a 60 point guy are we going down to 50 now maybe less than 40 like generally a non-top power play defenseman isn't going to get more than 50 and obviously Devontae's you know broke that trend last year but maybe it was just a one-off I don't know yeah I well first off I think you're mischaracterizing what I said I don't think I said I think I said he could I think I said for Devin Taves, 60 points was reasonable, and I wouldn't expect Taves to approach 70 points again unless he gets some really favorable variants working for him. But if I'm wrong, someone go back and show me the receipts, and I will own up to it. Um, For Devin Taves, he's still seeing a really rough on-ice shooting percentage. Colorado is having a hard time scoring with Taves on the ice. He uh, They're shooting below 6% at 5-on-5 with Taves. And honestly, that may be more or less the full story here. If Colorado was converting on 10% of the shots they took, which is what they did last year with Taves on the ice, he'd have been on the ice for 16 more goals. And per his usual points participation rates, Taves would have participated on about half of those 16 goals, which is 8 more points, which puts him on a 64-point pace for Devin Taves. There you go. That's it. It's, it could That's just it. be... Basically, he has an, the point. An on-ice shooting percentage <laughs> regression. So maybe it is a decent time to still buy low. I will, like, but there also is an explanation here for why Colorado might not be shooting as well, which is that there have been a lot of injuries to the Avalanche, and there's less depth on the team already this year, and then all those injuries on top of it. That means maybe we should not expect all of those, you know, 16 goals come back. Maybe eight of them should come back, which is four points for Taze, which gives them, you know, some some kind of pace in the high 50s. I still don't think Taves is washed. Like, I think he's is seeing some, okay, some unfortunate I. Yeah. luck. I think if all goes normally, he should be closer to 60 points than 50 points. And uh, I would be really surprised, Elon. I'm going on the record. If he gets near 70. I think he's closer to 50 than 60. I disagree right. with that. Yeah, but uh, sure. You know... A lot of those uh, goals that were scored last year were scored by Gabriel Landeskog, who shot 20%. That probably helped. Yeah, his, uh, and nice shooting Nazem Kadri and Andre Burakovsky. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so exactly. So I don't know. I don't, uh, just I, I I guess you know I like defensemen who shoot a lot, and I don't love defensemen who are not on the top power. Well, I guess like well, I mean Brady Shea. I'm talking about as like someone to add at a free agency. Devontae's. I'm talking about someone that I think like I think they're this both is, around. This 50. is like a Casey DeSmith situation again. You're doing <laughs> some not, co- cognitive like, backflips here. <laughs> Uh, well, no, because there are different tiers of guys, right? Like I'm not like Brady Shea. I'm saying why I think he's like rosterable. Devon Taves. I'm saying why I don't think he's elite. You know, but obviously Devon Taves is rosterable. I'm not going that crazy. Um, Kale McCarr, by the way, is definitely rosterable and definitely not Coles like Devon Taves. Like nothing to ask you about. But eight points in his last six games. We're now up to 37 points and 38 on the season. So it was a bit of like a slow start for McCarr based on his standards. Seems like he's very close to and probably will beat that point per game. It was looking a little rough earlier. But he's right there. I'm not too worried. Um, Brian, we still have a couple more outcheries to get to. And then I still also have some hot streaks and cold streaks. So this will be a fun part four of this, uh, you know, part. Have we ever figured out what we're doing here? It's like part one and part two. But then each subpart, what are those called? Should we name those? Or maybe I don't even need to name them. And maybe I don't even have to put any attention on this any further. You're shaking your head. Yeah. You're like, you don't care. They don't need a name. 
part two, subsection two is coming up in a moment. I mean, two B is the obvious <laughs> choice if we sure. did care to name it. Uh, give us some feedback on what you want to name these sections. And um, we'll get to that final section in just a sec. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. All right, we are back, Brian. Like I said, a couple more outtries I want to get to before we get to the streaks. Not too much to talk about here. So Robbie Fabry back for Detroit. He scored in his second game uh, versus Florida and was also on the top power play for what it's worth. But we, I don't know. I, I'm at the point now where I'm not going to like be like asking you, like, do people need to rush to grab Robbie Fabry? Maybe a decent streamer. Like a lot of people on Detroit at this point. Like we've been talking about uh, Rasmussen playing on the top line. That's kind of changed. In the last game on Saturday versus Toronto, Larkin and Perron were playing with Jonathan Berggren. And then Rasmussen was playing with Kopp and Lucas Raymond. Fabry was actually resting in that game, so it might be all completely different lines. In the next game, I could tell you who's on the top power play. Larkin, Perron, Kubalik, Raymond, and Heronik. So Rasmussen was off that line. So, you know, maybe uh, I was excited about Michael Rasmussen in the run he was on. But now if he's potentially getting, you know, shifted away from Larkin, he's less exciting. And I feel like, to me, it's like Rasmussen... Fabry, maybe even Lucas Raymond, or maybe he's a tier above. I feel like a lot of these guys are like pretty similar to me at this point. Uh, we have Bertuzzi also coming back apparently really soon, as soon as the next game. So I don't know, are all these guys kind of the same, like uh, outside of Perron and, and Larkin at this point on Detroit? Like, is it basically just do we want people who are playing with Larkin? And if they're not playing with Larkin, then like don't get too excited? Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Rasmussen is, uh, yeah, I'm done with him. I have him on my roster. And also, there's a lot of teams next week who just play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So if you have a player who's only playing those days at the bottom of your roster, you're not getting a game from them next week. And that's where Rasmussen falls on my roster too. So I'm done with him. He's playing with Lucas Raymond and Andrew Kopp, which theoretically isn't the worst place to be, but it's also not a place that anyone has really produced uh, next to Kopp or Lucas Raymond for most of the year. So yes, get the top line player playing with Dylan Larkin, get someone playing on the top power play if they're available. But aside from that, there's no Detroit Red Wings down the depth chart that I'm particularly interested in. Okay, fair enough. By the way, quick update on, on Boston here. Uh, additional reason to not drop David Krejci is he now has a goal and an assist today. Uh, both like the goal assisted by, by Pasternak and the assist was on a Pasternak goal. So yeah, like we said, forget everything we said before about dropping Krejci now that he's back with Pasternak. Okay, good. And Zaka actually also has two assists. Forget everything we said in part 1B. Okay, yes, exactly. Well, not everything, but yeah, that part. 1B subsection like 7 about the Boston Bruins. Uh, since we're on Detroit, uh, we had a couple of quick things that our patrons wanted us to bring up. Andy S. wanted us to mention that uh, Sherratt is a Paris beast. So I guess, who's the guy? Made? Oh, Fehervary. I brought him up on Washington. So Sherratt is the Fehervary of the Red Wings. Ben Sherratt doesn't get points. He only has one point in his last five, but he had like four, then three, then one, seven hits. Like a lot of hits. He also had five blocks. He had four hits and five blocks in that game against Toronto and five shots. That's surprising. He, he normally doesn't do that. So that was an exciting Perifs game for him. And then Brandon Pucky Charms on our Discord wanted us to mention Wallman, who we did bring up last week. And yeah, he scored a goal, the only goal for Detroit in that game versus Toronto. He's also pretty solid, like Perifs defenseman, uh, but he's shooting more than Sherratt. So I think I like him even better. Maybe he doesn't hit and block as much, though. But yeah, four shots in his last game, three shots in the game before that. Too bad I dropped him. If only I knew about that Barzal injury sooner. Brian, you have Wallman, right? I have Wallman in one league, and I have uh, Hronik and Sider in another league. So Wallman, by the way, he the second unit, on the second power play unit, ended up with more time than the top unit, which is why he had more time than uh, any other D on, on Detroit for power play time. Uh, and by the way, for anyone who doesn't realize, Philip Hronik is on the top unit now it's not cider cider's playing with wallman on the second yeah, they unit. did lose they did lose four to one to yeah. toronto so they shifted every game it'll change again yeah so we'll see but wallman is doing that like you said few shots per game touches a little bit on hits and blocks too and is on the top pairing at even strength so lots of ice time opportunities to shoot second power play unit i don't know you know maybe i'll uh I'll I'll call him like a Mikhail Sergachev type, or maybe that's oh. what that's what we could hope that's what we could hope to see from him. Not power play one Mikhail Sergachev, but somebody who can be like a half point per game while putting up a couple shots here and there. That would be nice. I was gonna say that Wallman is looking a little Brady Shea. -y <laughs> of course you were. But you went high. You went all the way to Sergachev, who's well, like rostered, who's rostered all last year in Cupful, even when he wasn't on the top power play. I don't know if Wallman is at that point where he's a sure roster. Oh, I don't, I don't think so. I'm saying this this might be his upside for the year. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, we'll see. I like him, though. I think if you need D, you're like me. 
<laughs> Why did I drop him? Ugh. But our couple's hard. Okay, so uh, one more outro here. Andre Palat. I'm kind of tired of talking about Andre Palat personally, but I'll like, okay, so he's played with uh, Heesher and Brat in the 4 3 win over the Rangers, but he's pointless in his two games. Second power. Can we just call him a snoozer already? Like, yeah, he'll get good roster spots. Maybe he'll pick up an assist here and there because he's playing with good players, but there's no reason for anyone to like hold. If you, unless you've been holding onto a Haula or a Tatar all season because you like their roster spot, he's just like, what, like, I think you and Jeremy sort of put him on a level above the Tatar and Haulas. To me, he's like the same, or honestly, like maybe even less, like because he barely shoots. Like I'm not into Audrey Pilat. Me neither. I'm also. We, I don't think we need to talk about him unless he forces us to talk about him. I didn't want to talk about him last year either. Okay, we're done with Pilat until he does something, and not and like one good game doesn't count. He has have to be like a couple good games in a row. Uh, one guy I'm happy to talk about every episode, Jack Hughes. He's he's insane. He has eight goals in his last five games now, but maybe even more impressive. Have you seen? The shots on goal numbers from Jack Hughes lately. Like I've never seen anything like this in the in the win over the Rangers. He took ten shots in the previous game versus St. Louis. He had nine. Then the previous like four games, he had six. He's like six minimum shots. It's like insane. Jack Hughes is so good. I I knew I didn't draft him anywhere. I love. He's amazing. He's so good. You wanted to, but a lot of people were were really really excited about Jack Hughes, and it turned out that they were. They were right to be, even though there was a slow start. He had just three points in his first six games and everyone, oh no, should I, should I have reached for him? Should I have done that thing? But he was even having seven shot games early on. Uh, it's been, uh, we're coming up on the fourth week that Jack Hughes has had, uh, has not had a game where he's taken fewer than four shots. And that only happened once. He's taken six or more shots in seven of his last nine outings. And like you said, 19 shots. Over his last two games. That's a, I, I don't know, Elon. I'd be curious to see. I, I don't have the data in front of me what the what the record is for most shots in two games. It's got to be up there. Yeah. I mean, probably like in the 80s, like people were taking like 20 shots in a game or something. But yeah, it hasn't been the type of thing we've seen recently. Like, you know, Ovechkin getting like five or six shots every game was like super exciting. Um, but yeah. And it's not as if also he's just like bombing from everywhere. And like, like he's shooting at like 14.1%, which is like an above average shooting percentage, right? So he's taking a ton of shots and he's scored. Well, yeah, he's up to 26 goals now in 40 games. And this is like, like you said, like the start of the season, he wasn't even scoring that much. So this is mostly recently. It's just like very rare for him to have a game without a goal he's kind of like a mcdavid like in uh tim hortons uh you know where you're predicting the goal scores to try to win free coffee which i, I keep giving them ads because it's actually like pretty fun uh yeah like jack Hughes is pretty much a sure thing i think you confidently pick him in box one unless mcdavid is in that box i think jack hughes now has overtaken austin matthews for me as my like sure one to take if not mcdavid uh which is high praise to jack hughes okay uh have we talked much about dougie hamilton this season i feel like we haven't i just want to throw it out there he has 10 points in his last eight games now he's pacing for 70 points on the season which would be a career high for him just like good for him because he had like a down year last year on a new team maybe people were worried but you know there was the injury we had all the reasons and yeah he's i think he's me he's worth that contract that he signed right like i think new jersey's probably very happy to have dougie hamilton he's going to be a huge part of this team uh, like I guess they're going to have Luke Hughes come in at some point and challenge, but you know probably the timing will be perfect where when Luke Hughes is ready, that'll be when Hamilton, they were expecting him to fall off anyways. Um, so yeah, anyone who drafted him, you probably got him at a discount this year because he was falling a bit in drafts. And yeah, he hasn't been like the, t- like, you know, there's some defense like Carlson and Darlene that are just like insane lately, like well above point per game, which makes what Hamilton is doing look pretty pedestrian. But like, I think Hamilton is great. I don't have a question for you, but any, any general thoughts on Hamilton you want to share? No, you said it all. Great season, and it's great to see him recover. We thought he could, and uh, he will never go as far down the draft order as he did this year when there were the red flags from last year. Remember, like, oh, is Damon Severson going to get to start the year as a power play quarterback? Because he basically ended last year. Didn't happen. So Dougie Hamilton running away with things. Yeah, okay, so let's get to our streaks now, okay? And I want to bring up Mason McTavish. You brought him up in your episode, your short episode, but I, I had to bring him up again because since then he had a two-goal and two-assist game versus the Sharks from that new spot on the line with Troy Terry and Adam Henrique. I'm, like, pretty excited about Mason McTavish. Super high pedigree guy, right? Drafted third overall. 
This reminds me a lot, Brian. Tell me if you disagree. It reminds me of what happened with Trevor Zegers last year, right? Like he, people were really into him to start the year. He was like colder than people expected, and he got dropped in a lot of leagues. And then anyone who was able to kind of grab Zegers, maybe even a little earlier than this time, maybe Zegers started heating up like closer to like December. But anyone who got him ended up having a great hold. And if it was like a keeper league, you ended up keeping him and like thinking that he's going to be a long-term great player. Like McTavish might be that person. He's finally in the top six. He's been on the top power play for a while. He's producing. He's getting into a groove. So like. Yeah, it's Anaheim. They don't score a ton of goals. Like right now, they're losing two nothing to Boston, but it's not even a period over. We'll see if like they, he gets something past Jeremy Swayman. Uh, it looks like Swayman only has two saves so far, and we're almost on a period. So Anaheim, come on, like do something. McTavish, like let's see what you can do. Uh, but I was, I'm really into him. I think we're at a point. Yeah, like uh, Anaheim only plays twice next week. So you may think that I I'm gonna pass, but I think that might be regrettable. I think it might be one of those times where if you don't add him now, someone else will, and then you just won't get him back. But maybe I'm being too high on him. I'm not saying pause the pot. I'm not going crazy, but I'm pretty high on him right now if he's available in free agency. I think you're a little high on Mason McTavish here, saying like Trevor Zegras. I I think I see some differences between Zegras and McTavish that makes me feel like like Zegras's upside is higher than McTavish's. Honestly, the, the but I'm vibes saying Zegras from last year, just yeah, to be clear. Not that I disagree with still, you. Still, no, and I, I think that the vibes that I'm get that I'm getting from McTavish are more like another Mason that we might remember from last year, which was Mason Marchment, who was showing that he could have these big explosive nights and that the talent is there and the numbers are there and like th- there's upside that to be unlocked, but we're just not sure that it is unlocked or that we're gonna be able to see it on a consistent basis. So I really like McTavish's new deployment for sure. And I, and I wouldn't be hesitant to add him on my roster to see how far this goes, but I'm, I'm expecting if I, if I were just to guess how the season goes, I'd say it will play out a little more like Mason Marchment's season last year than Trevor Zegras's. Hmm. I have to remember, I think didn't Mason Marchment actually end up doing like really well by the end? Like, like he didn't like cool off too much in the second half. No, he had a, like a good long run there. Like it lasted, I think about a month. And then at one point he was droppable and then he went on another little run. It was yeah, good. Which probably means that we were wrong and he wasn't droppable. We just thought he was because he went cold, but actually he like, you know, was it the same guy that went on the run before and just happened I mean, to get cold? Would you would you have held Mason Marchment when he had six points through seventeen games over the course of a month? Well, here that's the trick with fantasy. That's why I guess that's why we we're, we're here, right? Because like it's like, like a bottom our, of your roster guy who you likely added at a free agency initially as a stream and then you struck gold. You're, you're well, gonna, I know. Well, I'm not yeah. saying like maybe I would have, but it would have been a mistake, right? Because like you say, he heated up again. And sometimes that's why we try on this podcast to give reasons to hold people who are cold or to drop people who well, are hot. He heated up again and then he cooled off and then he heated up once more. Okay. Well, I'm just trying to like give us, give us credit, but I don't know why. <laughs> but anyway, I like Mason McTavish. So what do you want me to tell you? Uh, he has obviously a higher pedigree than Mason McTavish. I mean, than uh, Mason Marchment, I should say. Um, but we'll see. He's, he's very young, so he could obviously hit a wall. Um, probably higher pedigree or probably yeah what, probably higher there? pedigree Mason Marchment is good well Mason McTavish was drafted third overall and like was like the key member of Team Canada last year like I mean I think there's no where was Mason Marchment drafted oh I'm not sure he he, I'm not pedigree. sure he was yeah what are you talking about probably get out of here okay <laughs> um, another guy who didn't have a high pedigree but has been really good is uh, Carol Melka over in Arizona, who came out of nowhere to become their starter last year. And he was really good to start this year. I was really excited about him. I, a lot of people who got him out of free agency were, like, loving life. You know, Arizona was winning big games against tough teams. Unfortunately, lately, Vemelka has gone on a bit of a cold run. He's doing okay today versus Pittsburgh, for what it's worth. He's stopped 19 of 21. They're in the third. It's still 2-1 to one for Pittsburgh. Um, I don't know. Are, we, are you at a point where you're like considering dropping Vaymelka? I have Vaymelka and Kakupful. I'm gonna. I think I'm just gonna hold like until he like loses starts. Like I feel like yeah, he might go on a cold run, but I think he's still capable of. Like he, I think he's still the same goalie as he was before. That's my opinion. So I was like, he's on a cold streak, but I think he could easily just go hot again soon. Right. So either he's been really overperforming for a year and a half, or he's been what he has been for a year and a half. And now this is the cold stretch and Fave Melka has been cold. Only two quality starts in his last eight games. And in those last eight games, Fave Melka has been given up four goals a game on average, 876 save percentage. He hasn't been terrible per his expected numbers, but that's, that's cold comfort <laughs> to anybody rostering him. And Elon, I'm with you. I think as long as he's still getting starts, I'm not about to, to let go. It's so hard to find a number one workhorse. 
I'm holding on to Allen and Binnington, right? If I had V. Malk, I'd be doing right, the yeah. same thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good point. If, if Binnington and Allen are being held in your league, then don't go and drop V. Uh, another potential new starter that's emerging is Alex Stalock over in Chicago. He's been having a really good year so far in his 13 games, a 921 save percentage. He's currently playing today against Calgary. It's 3-3 right now. Looks like uh, Stalock, though, he's taking a lot, right? Like 30, he's had 35 shots against. We saw 32 of them. So it's already like a good start. We'll see how this game finishes off. Um, you know, first of all, good for him. Like he came back from a lot of adversity to get on the team. And he maybe you could say like it's not too hard to outplay like Petr Mrazek to take over the starting job. But I think at the very least, it's reasonable for us. They kind of like with Corpusalo over in Columbus. It was like surprising at first. But now I think it's clear that Corpusalo is the starter in Columbus. And I think it's pretty clear that Stalock is starter in Chicago, right? Elon, I don't think this is the moment where Alex Salak emerges as an NHL starter. This is, uh, he's age 35. He's been in the league 11 years. This is his third team. And through Salak's time with San Jose, we didn't see, well, you know, you are ever the goalie optimist, which is why I I was even more surprised by the DeSmith thing earlier. But Salak has never really proven that he's reliably, he had one good run Early in his career, it was actually a very good run. 932 save percentage in his first full season in the league at age 26 with San Jose. But since then, it's been a pretty spotty track record for him. A couple decent stints in Minnesota as well. Uh, it's great that he's doing well in Chicago right now, but I just don't know that anyone can do very well for very long in Chicago, long enough to hold on to a job. So I think he'll just be another in a long line of guys that we've mentioned this year and last year and maybe even the year before of uh, goalies in Chicago who come in, look really great, and then can't hold it together either because of their own aptitude or the team in front of them or some mix of both those things. Okay, well, we'll have to wait and see. So far, so good this season for Stalock. I think Stalock or Stalock, I don't know. But all I do know is I, I think he's the starter right now. Like, I have set up game day tweets now on the goalies section that when there's not a goalie tweet yet, it has a guess as to who the starter is going to be. And the guess is based on what I've put in the back end where I like put in who's the starter and who's the backup. And it uses that to generate the guess. And I've switched Stalock to the starter. So on any game Good. that's as, not a back-to-back, Stalock is going to be my guess for yeah, now. As, as it should be until he isn't. Yeah, sure. Okay, so another guy that seemingly was taking over as a starter, at least for now on Vancouver with Thatcher Demko out is Kala Delia, who's been out playing Spencer Martin. Of course... He got things- pulled tonight. Yeah, today was not good. So Winnipeg beat Vancouver 7-4. to Dealey got pulled after letting in four goals on 13 shots. Spencer Martin was also bad. He let in three goals on 14 shots. So just like Vancouver clearly just got outplayed by Winnipeg. And these might just be neither like really great goalies. And Delia is like a very small sample size. Like Stalock, we're talking about like 17 games this season or whatever it is. Delia, this was like his fifth game. So yeah, definitely like it was interesting to see that he was like having a few good games. But uh, not enough for me to like be turned around on him yet. Even though, like you say, Brian, I am a goalie optimist i think probably uh delia is not what do you think like is do you think call delia is a good goalie or do you think he's like not someone to be concerned about and like he and martin will just go back and forth whatever until finally demko comes back Right. And I think the headline might be actually that Demko is traveling with the team. So he could be coming back relatively soon, which renders this whole conversation moot. I wouldn't want really either Martin or Delia, although Martin has definitely not shown himself to be ready. While Delia has had a really impressive run up of games up until this moment. So maybe Delia hangs around as the backup. After the, like, I, I don't know, or maybe not. The, the Canucks probably still want see Spencer Martin as the goalie they want to develop. So they'll decide what's best for him. He earned the job to back up out of camp, but he clearly is not ready to do any more than that. So, uh, yeah, Delia's been better. Martin's been really bad. And Demko is traveling with the team. He could start practicing with the team this week, according to beat writer Patrick Johnston, which would mean, I guess, that, I don't know, he's a week or two away from being ready. Yeah, and if you're going to stream in Adelia or Spencer Martin, you're, you've seen what could happen to you. Yes. Uh, Vancouver, not a great defensive team, and these goalies may not be NHL-caliber starters. Uh, remember when Colin Delia and Kevin Lankinen were like the two yes. goalies on Chicago? <laughs> and there were moments for both of them, as with Alex Stalock. Like, this is this is the, the history I'm pulling from, where you're like, could this guy be a legit number one goalie? Have they arrived? <laughs> So then you're going to really get annoyed at me you're when I say, I still think Kevin Lankinen is. I think Kevin Lankinen 
needs a shot. Okay, so he's been the backup on Nashville. He's doing very well. He has a 918 save percentage in his 10 games. Very small sample size. He did have a decent run on Chicago, though I know people have said those were like all games against like one. It was like all game. All of his really good games were against like the same team that was like a weak team, and, and that skewed the numbers. Anyway, I think Lankinen did a smart job for himself. I think he owes his agent like a gift basket or something because he like, you know, took this job with Nashville, who's a team that protects their goalie, I guess, pretty well. And he's, you know, not playing too much, but when he is playing, he's doing well. And I think I'll be interested to see. It was a one-year contract. I'm curious to see where Lankinen will go next year. I think some team is going to take a shot on him. And maybe he will be a good starter somewhere. Like Chicago is a hard place to play. I don't know how much stock we should put into like him struggling in Chicago. You know, uh, like you've said, you're not even interested in Stalock and he's doing well in Chicago. Uh, okay. Anyway, just want to throw that out there. Let's go to uh, some non-goalie talk now. Where should we go? Florida. Oh, yeah. I want to ask about Aaron Ekblad. Only two goals in his past, like, eight games both of those goals came in the last game versus detroit so that oh though actually i think florida played today so yeah they lost five to one to dallas let's see did ekblad do anything on that one goal uh no he didn't brandon montour got the assist on the carter haggy goal are we getting worried about aaron ekblad here so that means only two goals and no assists in his last nine games this is a guy who at one point we were looking at as like one of the higher end defensemen to draft, like maybe top five, top seven. Uh, you know, Florida, I guess, doesn't score as much as they did last year, but you'd think that Ekblad would be getting in on more. So what's going on here? Is this, a, you know, just like a random cold streak and time to buy low or do you have reason to be concerned? It's been a rough go for Aaron Ekblad on the power play. Everything's fine. But at five on five, he has just five points in 30 games. And I think that's largely attributable, I think, to two things. The first is that he uh, is participating on only 22% of goals scored at five on five while he's on the ice versus his usual like 40 or 45%. You aggress that and Ekblad is involved in 10 goals this uh, season so far rather than just five. Still doesn't get him up to a 60 point pace though. And I think the reason that it still doesn't get him up to a 60 point or if you want to stretch that 70 point pace that we saw from him last year is that there's just, there is less on ice offense this year in Florida at five on five. Ekblad's also playing 60 fewer seconds a night. So even though he's keeping up everything that he was able to do on the power play at five on five, uh, some bad variants, plus just not as successful an offense is both knocking Ek- both those factors are knocking Ekblad below what we would have expected from him this season, which means I expect him to recover better like I expect the next half of the season to be better than the first half was for Ekblad but I don't think it's going to be all the way as good as it was last year I'd be looking at about 55 or 60 point pace from him if all goes well the rest of the way hmm so, uh, does this mean you're higher on Devon Taves and Aaron Ekblad who would you take between the two if Ooh, you had the choice that's a good question I feel like it's Ekblad for sure but I know you're like higher on Taves than me yeah I think I'd take Ekblad because he's on the top power play I think the downside for Taves is probably lower than it is for Ekblad Ekblad also shoots some more so I'll, I'll take Ekblad but like points only I don't think there's a huge difference hmm yeah, that'll be fun. Let's let's try try to put a pin on that and uh, check back in on Ekblad versus Taves. I think that's an interesting comparison. But yeah, it's a rare cold streak. I don't think anyone is expecting this cold of a streak. You got to imagine it's going to turn at least a little bit soon. Uh, then I guess let's go. Okay, I said I had Edmonton and Philly guys to talk about. They weren't even that interesting. Like, Clem Costin has been playing with Connor McDavid, but he's pointless in three. So you could just add him to the list of busts playing with McDavid. Uh, we were talked about talking about Cam York in Philly. I was also going to bring up Travis Konechny, who scored again today. He's he's insane, right? Now I think he's over like 100-point pace or very close to it. Somehow like snubbed from the All-Star game. I don't get that. But uh, nothing really to say here, right? Just Travis Konechny is a stud and you want him. And it's impressive that he's doing it with even not the most exciting linemen. It's like he's being centered by Noah Cates. It's so impressive what Travis Konechny is doing. His shooting percentages returned after a couple bad years. He somehow has a power play point every three games. So 11 power play points for Konechny in 33 games. And I said somehow because he's doing this on the Flyers who are ranked 29th in the league in power play conversion. They're converting at just 16% of their chances. And yet connecting is one of the best points per hour scorers or, or points per points per game scorers on the power play. Like Philadelphia scored 19 power play goals this season. connecting has been in on 11 of those net five on five. Konechny's basically in on 90% of the goals scored while he's on the ice. So basically Travis Konechny is the team is the team. And when you're hot, you're hot. Like, I don't know if a 99 point pace is sustainable the rest of the way, but I am 
really surprised and impressed that he can put up anything near that on a team that we weren't sure anybody could break a 60-point pace on this season. And I wouldn't put Konechny too far away from a point-per-game pace if I'm looking the rest of the season. So I, I, I don't know. I really, truly don't know how he's doing it, but he's doing it, and it's pretty amazing. He is a, a skilled player. I think that's definitely helping him do this. He's, he's, he's incredible. Okay, let's do one more cold streak and then one more hot streak to finish off the show here. The cold streak, another defenseman similar to Aaron Ekblad, who you would have expected more from from the top power play, but Drew Doughty has really cooled off. He is pointless in his last couple games. Then he had two games with an assist, but before that he was pointless in four, uh, so that makes uh, two points in his last eight games, if I do my math, or nine games even. Uh, so yeah, Adam H. was asking us on our Twitter if Doughty is a snoozer at this point. How concerned are are you like he's down to a 43 point pace on the season do you think maybe he's just a half point per game guy at this point yeah we talked about Drew Doughty last week and how he's having a disappointing season especially because you know he looked like he was gonna be back to a 65 point pace which he was last year over over the course of half a season that he played last year and what's happened with Doughty is that uh at five on five, things just aren't going so well for him or the team he's on the ice with. Uh, his on ice shooting percentage is down. His points participation is down. The uh, the offense while Doughty's on the ice is also down. I still think that he's better than this mid forty point pace. Like this is a heck of a cold snap for Drew Doughty. I think he should be north of fifty point pace the rest of the season if all goes well. Uh, and I still think he's a hold on or buy low kind of player. I wouldn't give up on him and think this is all we're going to see. It's not all we're supposed to see from him. It would be a real run of bad luck if it continued all the way through the year for Dowdy this way. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. And LA is looking good overall, right? Uh, so you'd think he should be getting in on some more of these goals. Uh, let's finish off with a question from Michael here in our YouTube chat. Uh, he wanted us to talk about Barrett Hayton. He is getting great deployment lately, playing with Keller and Schmaltz on the top line in Arizona. And he's producing. He has a goal today versus Pittsburgh. And he also had a couple multi-point games over the last couple of weeks. So Brian, obviously, he's not the uh, superstar that Arizona thought they were drafting, fifth overall in 2018. But maybe Barrett Hayton is finally, maybe for for the first time in the history of keeping Carlson rosterable in fantasy. Like maybe we can finally say people should be considering adding Barrett Hayton for next week. Arizona plays four times Hayton on the top line. Definitely. And the top power play. Yeah. Definitely interesting. Yeah. And that, I think that's the takeaway here. Barrett Hayton is playing with Schmaltz and Keller and we've been interested in like Nick Ritchie there before, Travis Boyd or Lawson Krause or any number of guys. And so why wouldn't we at least give Barrett Hayton a, a, a quick look here? There's also a very decent chance he ends up like Nick Bjugstad has, right? Like who went on a nice little scoring run. It wasn't meant to be. Uh, and then that was it for 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 him and our interest in him. So uh, I think it's worth shouting out Barrett Hayton for kind of appearing back on the radar. Like he's only 22. There's still time for him to make a career out of, you know, whatever skills have gotten him this far as a fifth overall pick back in 2018. But uh, I'm not convinced that there's a whole lot like that. That Hayton has arrived, but the fact he's on the top line, top power play and has a little bit of production lately more than he's ever really had at any point in his career means that he is at least worth putting on your watch list. And a look, I think Arizona plays like an off day at the end of the week. So maybe he's good for a late week stream if you're in a close matchup. Yeah, definitely before you add him, make sure you'll actually fit him in your lineup. As we, as I discussed on the uh, Matchup Maximizer podcast yesterday. Uh, Brian, that's it. We've gone through all of our content that we wanted to for this week. What a fun show. These two hours just always fly by. I've had a blast. Thanks so much for all of your expertise here. And thanks, of course, to everyone listening to the episode. Hope you enjoy it. Everyone here in the live chat, you've been amazing. Uh, Andy is throwing us an episode name suggestion of Love on Hayton Street, which I don't get the reference, but Brian's going to figure that out. And then maybe that's the name of the episode or maybe Brian will come up with something else. Uh, But yeah. Uh, Brian, with that, uh, what should I mention here? we got the Patreon, keepingcarls.com slash patron. We'd love your support. It's a nice thing to do, I think, if you listen to a podcast and you enjoy it. Plus, we give a ton of perks, including joining our amazing community where we're helping each other uh, be successful in fantasy. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Keeping Carlson. Uh, but with that, Brian, I am ready to get out of here. So let's cue the outro music. And why don't you read us the credits? All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and powered by our patrons, including our super supporters who 
are super and supporters of the show. They they add a little more to get their name in the credits and also have a fancy color for their name on our Discord server. And they're also, uh, they jump to the top of the patron power ranking. So thanks, Adam, Aaron, Tyler, Andrea, Tom, Ryan, Derek, David, Rob, Ricard, and of course, Patty for uh, being our super supporters. Of course, we appreciate all our supporters equally. You're all amazing. Anyone who supports us, thank you. Uh, all right, this episode, oh, thanks to uh, Kevin Hebert and our team of Cupful Co-Commishes, helping the league keep running smoothly. And thanks to Shams and Elon for keeping all the content running on GameDayTweets.com. You can follow our Short Shifts show at Short Shifts KK. Uh, you can find, I, you know, ben, Ben's taking a short break from the show, but I don't know if he's still uh, checking the Twitter. Uh, Lewis probably is. Someone's there at Short Shifts KK. Uh, and we're excited to have Jeremy back to continue co-hosting the show over the next short while. Uh, logo art by... has been so good. Great job, man. So good. Logo art by BrandonWeed.com. Outro music by Pat Roach. This episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Tools, Dauber Prospects, Natural Stashek, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, The Athletic, HockeyGoldies.org, Hockey Reference, Hockey Biz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, and yeah. Great job, as always, Brian. Looking forward to talking to you next week. Of course, in the meantime, we're going to drop a ton of shows into the feed, so make sure you're subscribed. And while everyone's enjoying all of our fantasy hockey content and hopefully doing well in their leagues, do you have any recommendations of other things they should have on their minds? Yeah, I mean, if you could just always keep an eye and ear out for ways that you can help make sure that fantasy hockey is for everyone, that would be phenomenal. Thanks. <laughs>